I'm proud of us. Like we said, we're ending on a high note, which is something we never do. (laughs) So don't say we never gave you anything. (laughs) I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. In this holiday-themed episode and our final episode of 2022, we are going to talk about some spooky Christmas folklore. Whoa! (laughs) But first, we got to do something spooky. So, Paige, nothing is on here, so I'm thinking... (laughs) I tried really hard to think of something spooky to share because it's been Mm -hmm. a while. So Mm -hmm. like you would think that I would have something, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, there's like some generally spooky things like blizzard conditions bearing down on us in a couple days. So, you know, yeah, (laughs) we're keeping with the traditional Christmas Yule spirit. By talking about spooky things when bad weather is approaching and not leaving our houses, I yeah, I guess I don't I don't see it as spooky because I'm excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the snow, yes. I mean, I'm a little less excited given, yeah. But like, if I were, uh, I don't know, a druid living in a tent or whatever kind of vehicle vehicle building they lived in. Sure. 2,000 years ago, I might be a little freaked out about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I have nothing. I just wanted to show you this Christmas hedgehog. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> that actually has nothing to do with Christmas at all. It just someone posted it on Twitter. And apparently they used to think that hedgehogs would like – spear fruit onto their spikes to carry it back to their homes (laughs) so this is just an illustration of that from an old manuscript but he looks like he's wearing little christmas balls it does look like he's wearing little christmas balls. so it's very cute so we will we'll drop a link to christmas hedgehog (laughs) (laughs) so everyone can see and my other thing which i've already been texting our group text about a lot so Paige already knows is we just watched Santa Claus 2 because we had just watched the Santa Claus 1 with our daughter a few days ago. And that movie is really unhinged. <laughs> like, I can't believe it's the first time you guys have seen it. I don't know. I think like it I think it came out when we were like starting high school. So it was about the age where we were getting a little too old to like be interested in that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Either way. I watched it for the first time like five or six years ago. So apparently, oh, okay. I just well, never yeah. grew out of Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, neither did we because like we <laughs> thought that it was hilarious, like surprisingly hilarious. Like, is the story anything to write home about? No. Is it very predictable? Yes. But like at the same time, is it also not predictable? Because like, Sort of Nazi-coded dictator Santa was not where I thought that movie was going to (laughs) go. And that's exactly where it went. (laughs) So anyway, that's my recommendation is if you like the Santa Claus and you want it to get even more unhinged, 
just watch the Santa Claus too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're going to do this, I don't know, in like sort of three semi-loose parts. We're going to talk just a little generally why Christmas is spooky. And then some specific spooky Christmas characters. And then, I don't know, just some random traditions at the end. <laughs> so Paige, why is Christmas spooky? <laughs> <laughs> so back in our Halloween tradition episode, like back in 20, was it 2020 or was it 2019? We started the podcast in 2020. Oh, you're right. You're right. COVID was 2020, not 2019. I keep getting my years confused. Yeah, it was still two years ago. So yeah. So yeah, back in 2020, we talked about how for the pagans, Samhain was just the start of their spooky season. And they were facing like the long, dark, cold winter and hoping they'd done enough preparation and stored enough food to make it through. Basically, it was like a life or death time for them. Winter solstice and Yule celebrations, though, take place on the shortest day and longest night of the year, which is like sort of perfect timing for us to be recording this episode because winter solstice is only two days away. It is. And I did see that both of us marked interested for the winter solstice. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gardens. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to if or how I might pull that off, but we'll see. Might happen. (laughs) Um, But it's also... Like the day that this big storm is supposed to yeah. kick off. So, yeah, shit's about to go down. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, these were more positive celebrations because it meant that winter was halfway over and it would soon <laughs> start getting brighter, uh, yeah. which is great because that means we have something to look, to look forward to here in the next yes. couple weeks and months. Mm-hmm. Uh, This is bringing light to dark times. Basically, everyone was hunkered down, but longer days and hope was on the horizon. So it's time for everybody to come out and celebrate for a couple of weeks by singing songs, decorating homes, and burning big cozy logs. Yeah, And I say that, like, I vote we start doing more to celebrate the winter solstice. Yeah. Just in general, (laughs) every year. Yes, I'm sure I'll say this like several times during this episode, but there's many aspects about like winter solstice and Yule celebrations. Like speaking as somebody who is not religious and like basically no ties to like Christianity at all, like a lot of it just makes a lot more sense to me or like, you know, as like Mm -hmm. why they would do some of these things or why they would feel this way. Yeah, because long story short, If you're looking for sort of the scientific reason for all of this that we're going to talk about today, it's that the Northern Hemisphere (laughs) is tilted slightly away from the sun for half the year, and that's when we have winter, and that means that it was darker, or in some cases it was totally dark for 24 hours a day in some parts of the world, and for that time, people had to find a way to get through that shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it occurred to me while I was driving home today. I was like, this is like winter solstice and Yule and all the celebrations. Like this is the Bon Jovi's living on a prayer time of year. <laughs> <laughs> We're halfway there. We're halfway through winter. And also you are lying if you are saying that the first warm day of spring when it's like been getting brighter 
and like you finally feel like you're starting to thaw out like does not feel like some sort of religious experience <laughs> it absolutely does <laughs> Like, I was like, you know, that is always a special day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And like I mentioned, I am glad that we're like waiting until sort of the last minute to record this episode, just because it does feel very appropriate to be talking about spooky, dark winter traditions with this blizzard coming in on like Wednesday to Friday. (laughs) So I don't think I'm going to be leaving my neighborhood. Like. Friday until like, I don't know, sometime Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm sure I'll say this a million times, but learning about all of these spooky traditions and like weird little Christmas things, and like even the Victorians who were arguably like very, like doing things very much from a like Christian religious guilt motivated space (laughs) like even they were sitting around and telling ghost stories so i'm like very bummed that christmas has become this like sugar plum fairy happy happy bullshit (laughs) in the u.s (laughs) and apparently we've like sort of like influenced the rest of the world or at least like europe into being more like that it's like no no we want like let's go back to where we used to be pagan European Christmas. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll talk about some spooky Christmas characters. And we should just at least touch on Santa Claus because I don't know, it feels sort of wrong not to. We talked about him. Well, and you just did two hours of research on him. Two hours of research on him. Yeah, you did by watching Santa Claus too. Oh, I did. Yeah. It's <laughs> <was> like, what? <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> I also watched Krampus last night. Okay. Um, but so Santa Claus is, as we know him today, is distinctly Christian and is also like distinctly North American in terms of like the modern traditions. And those were established or starting to get established around the 1820s. But this idea of a middle of winter gift giving figure is a really old one with European roots. So I don't know, there's like this weird, like, I don't know, some of the searching online that you do, like, you can tell that (laughs) some of it is uh, people who are of the Christian faith who are like sort of offended that they feel like people are telling them that like you stole all of your Christmas ideas. So like (laughs) there's some weird articles about (laughs) that, about some of these and like, yeah, the whole Santa Claus thing is like, Santa is actually a modern American thing. And it's like, but is it really? Because it's inspired by all these much older ideas. Right. So that feels like not really. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, like at best, not even at best, like they they borrowed ideas. They co-opted ideas for modern Christmas. It is what it is. Like, it is what it is. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so to name a few figures that may have originally inspired this modern idea of Santa Claus, we've got the Slavic... Father Frost, uh, Scandinavian elves or Tomtins or gnomes. Sometimes apparently they take the form of a goat. So goats are very popular, which I guess 
may even go back further to there being some sort of like Odin connection. There in Germanic paganism, you get Odin and the wild hunt. In Christian Germany and Latin Europe, you eventually get St. Nicholas. England gets Father Christmas. Although Father Christmas does not bring gifts, he just spreads good cheer. Aww. Yes, so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) And this is just for you to watch later, but I posted the clip in the Santa Claus where after Tim Allen gets arrested and he's like just naming off all the different Santa variations (laughs) from different countries to the cops. (laughs) Arguably one of the funniest moments of that movie. (laughs) Okay, so... As many of you well know, we, from the Boogeyman episode, but also from when we did sort of like more of the Santa science episode, our first year of doing a Christmas episode, which was 2020, we argue that Santa himself fits the definition of a boogeyman. And like, that's a very broad general definition, but like just Wikipedia it and you will be convinced. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally just Google boogeyman definition and you'll be like, yeah, that works for Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But many, if not most of these older midwinter or Christmas figures had evil or at least like mischievous foils or counterparts. And Jacob Grimm of the Grimm's fairy tales suggested that the scary companions of St. Nicholas are Christianized versions of household spirits, which were pagan spirits that looked after your house and the people living in it. And they were basically like forms of what we would call elves or goblins or hobgoblins, So obviously that's where we get the association of elves and Christmas and this idea that they're like associated with the gift giving process. If you remember way, way back to Halloween 2020, (laughs) no, not Halloween 2020. This was vampires and pop culture episode with Holly. But we talked about the idea of like pagan hearth magic and the home being a sacred place. Mm -hmm. So this like house spirit idea is related to that. And these house spirits could be benevolent or nice. They could be malicious or like more mischievous. But obviously when Christianity comes along and they're trying to get rid of all this pagan stuff, they want to paint them in a bad light. So we start to get these more like evil figures associated with Christmas once Christianity takes over. Although some of them have already been like kind of on the fence, but it gets worse, (laughs) basically. (laughs) That sort of general where these things come from. So let's get to specifics. And I'm going to start with Krampus because I just watched Krampus last night, the 2017, 2016 movie. I don't know. One of those years (laughs) is when it came out. (laughs) So if you haven't seen it, I guess like skip the Krampus part because we will be talking about the end of the movie and what it means soon. Even though it was five years ago and that's kind of on you, then skip to the next thing. (laughs) Okay. So Krampus is, he's just the most famous of the quote unquote evil Santa companions, or I guess more accurately of St. Nicholas's companions. But there are a bunch of Krampus-like 
dudes, <laughs> creatures, we don't know, <laughs> ladies, some of them are female, in a bunch of different countries. And they all have sort of like slight variations as to how they behave or what they do or how they travel around, depending on the country that they are from. If you want an exhaustive list of all of the ones that exist, which includes Krampus, you can visit the Wikipedia page Companions of St. Nicholas, and it will give you a whole nice list of those. But as we've just discovered, if I try to pronounce them all, it is not going to go well, and it's just (laughs) going to be sort of infuriating for everybody listening, and I'm just going to get really uncomfortable and mad about it. So... We're not going to do it. Uh, Importantly, though, for those of you who are fans of The Office, because Belschnickel is in this list, and that's like the one that visits Dwight since he's Pennsylvania Dutch. (laughs) And Belschnickel, I guess, is sort of a combination. It's a Southern Germany thing, but then gets brought over with Pennsylvania Dutch. And it's sort of like a Santa Krampus combo because Belschnickel will reward kids for being good. So now you know the difference. (laughs) You know, I wonder, so I was going to talk about this when I was in German class in high school, I would swear that I remember our teacher and I actually reached out to her for this episode to try to get some info from her, but um, she didn't get back to me in time. But anyway, uh, (laughs) she's not like she's busy at all this time. She doesn't have like a family or a job or anything. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, you know, trying to get through the end of the school year. (laughs) No. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Um, But I would swear that she had told the story that when she was growing up, that Krampus would be the one to put like coal in your boots. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The punishments for like being a bad kid, wildly different depending on what you read or like what the particular variation of this companion figure is. And I like got very suspicious once I started, like we'll talk about Frau Perschta and stuff. Like I got very suspicious about how like she sort of transformed after she was christianized that like krampus maybe didn't also get a little bit of a raw deal (laughs) you know yeah so i don't know but krampus in particular is said to be half goat half demon or i guess whatever the pagan version of a demon is some sort of evil spirit who arrives the night of december 5th which is called krampus to punish naughty children which could be via birch branch beatings Uh, Sometimes he might kill them outright (laughs) via torture, drowning, or eating them, (laughs) or kidnap them and take them to hell. So, I mean, it's all very positive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like I said, like there's a, there's a wide range. Like you either get like a little smack with the birch branch. Maybe he just leaves you some coal in your boots. Like it just depends on what area you're reading these stories from and what traditions they are using. So, but this is where we see a divergence from sort of modern Christmas because Krampusnacht is the night of December 5th and St. Nicholas Day is December 6th. So it's basically like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Krampus comes around with St. Nicholas on Christmas Eve. He's doling out the punishments. St. Nicholas is 
rewarding the good kids and spreading cheer. And, you know, everybody wakes up the morning of the sixth and finds out who survived. But the name originates from the German word Krampen, which means claw. Multiple origins have been suggested because this is like a really, really old piece of folklore. Uh, One of the most likely seems to be at least like based on all the variations that I read. So this is a little bit of an opinion, but that he was one of the uh, sons of hell, which is the Norse god of the underworld. Uh, Bavaria, Austria, and now many other places in the world host Krampus Run parades. I mean, there's one in Milwaukee now. <laughs> they are also known as Krampus Laufs. And the idea here is you dress up like Krampus and there's bonfires and you do a parade and you wear the, you know, the outfits, the masks, and you scare away the evil spirits of winter, which if you'll remember, there is like crossover between sort of this idea of like parading around in masks and the idea of wassailing or caroling. So going around and singing songs to your neighbors, those are really old traditions and they have ties to like the origins of trick-or-treating as well. Because I can remember we were doing that like Halloween traditions Mm -hmm. episode and we talked about trick-or-treating. I was like, I thought these were... Like, these are Christmas things, but they're talking about them like they're for trick-or-treat. So, similar ideas. Um, Slash, there might just be, like, crossover that they both come from the same place. But, again, this is a very old tradition because the Catholic Church tried to banish Krampus celebrations during the Inquisition. So, in the 12th century. (laughs) A very long time ago. But people were like no, fuck that. We are doing our fun parade and like having this night of debauchery. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I have a couple questions for you based on a doing Krampus research, but also watching Krampus the movie last night. So this is again, your last spoiler alert warning. First, how unethical would it be but like, would it be unethical at all to make my toddler believe in Krampus? <laughs> I think it depends on which story you're going with. And that's why I brought up the coal thing. <laughs> because I would argue that that version of Krampus is no different than our version of Santa Claus. True. But True. I, yeah. I think it's a little fucked up. Yes, I know. It is. It's like really hard. I'll be honest, like I am like a sensitive enough parent that even doing the Santa Claus stuff and having to sort of like lie to her face about that. And I think like once I tried the line, like you better be good because, you know, Santa's keeping an eye. I was like, this feels icky. Like, I don't like it. (laughs) And we've been doing Elf on the Shelf mostly because... Paige wanted us to do it. So that's on you. Okay. So <laughs> I have a question about that because okay. I don't know anything about Elf on the Shelf outside of like the adorable. significantly more fucked up than you'd think. <laughs> but like, why? Okay. I should have brought, unfortunately the book is in Alice's room, but like, it's basically like the elf is 
Santa's surveillance camera in your house. <laughs> oh, but like no. can also yes, but like can also see like what you do at school. And every night the elf flies to the North Pole and like gives a report to Santa of how you've been that day. It's <laughs> sort of the worst. <laughs> Like, people are like, this is preparing your kids to, like, live in a surveillance state. (laughs) I was like, it basically is. Like, I don't love the book. I think it, like, I would prefer if it was just like, hey, elves are kind of a Christmas thing. Like, this elf is just going to be our friend and, like, hang out with us. And, you know, not in, like, a creepy, like, I'm watching you kind of way, but, like, go to visit Santa every night to hang out with its friends and Santa in the North Pole. And then we get to find it the next morning when it comes back to us. That would be fine. I might, like, rewrite the book to reflect that because I hate reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you read it every night? No. No, no, no. I, she's made me read it twice. And each time I was like, this is the worst (laughs) do you think she's like put together that like the book and the elf that you have like that the book is about the elf that you have i think she knows yeah she knows so she like knows that she's being spied on i've like tried to like i don't know i've i'm trying to play it down i'm trying i'm i might just get rid of the book to be honest i think it's really (laughs) creepy to like tell your kids that like it's or like the santa thing is already a little bit Weird, for sure. It's, yeah, and I don't know why it's, like, bothering me so much, but it's a little weird. And, like, the fact that, I don't know, having, like, surveillance elf in our house is, like, (laughs) that's weird. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I wanted you to do it because I had no idea that was part of it. I just thought (laughs) you got, like, a little elf and every day it it caused trouble. Like, I really thought that's all it was. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) fellow parents, learn from my mistake. (laughs) See if you can get just the elf. And then sort of invent your own family folklore for what the rules are about it. Because I do not like the regular rules at all. Like, yeah, and she can't, like, touch it? Yeah, so that's part of it because they – it's like the elf is supposed to be magic. And if you touch it, it, like, drains away the magic. So she can't oh, okay. fly back okay. to the North Pole. And, like, that's you fine. know. That's fine. It's just to keep them from destroying it or whatever. Right. But, like, even that is a little bit, like, that's weird. Like, why can't we give the elf a hug every once in a while? I'm changing it up next year. I'm rewriting the elf. I've already started Googling, like, less creepy elf on the shelf book. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, regardless, (laughs) I'm not unconvinced that, like, the official elf on the shelf version of it is, like, any less traumatizing than believing in Krampus would be. Yeah, well, and like I said, especially if you go with, like, the kinder Krampus. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, really long Elf on the Shelf aside, which we're going to leave in because I think people should know that it's creepy and weird and I feel icky doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm officially, like, going to create my own Elf on the Shelf folklore. Like, I like – because you're right. I like it, too. I'm on the Elf on the Shelf again. I like it, too. I think it's funny (laughs) to, like – pose it in different positions and have it like doing little things or whatever but why can't it just be like the little elf that is our friend and hangs out with us for the christmas season surprise we're back to to elf on the shelf why does it have to be like nsa elf it's so weird that is it is really weird 
It's so weird. I don't like it. Um, (laughs) Just get a version that doesn't include the book. That's all I'm saying. Or like just throw the book away. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, so that's sort of Krampus. And my last thoughts about it. Well, it's really off of the shelf and Krampus because we had a whole aside here. But my last thoughts about Krampus are... My question for you about the movie is what do you think happens at the end? Like, what do I think the snow globe thing is? Yeah. Like, do you think they are, like, stuck in, like, a little Christmas loop and they belong to him or whatever? Or do you think that they actually, like, got out and this is just sort of, like, his memory of teaching them a lesson? So I have read what pe- what people believe the ending is because of what the director has said but i and it's the opposite of what i think <laughs> so i think okay it's the stuck in a christmas loop okay kind of like i don't know like bad or scary sad ending but a lot of people based on like he's not come out what's his name the director I have no idea. Michael something. He's come out and like compared it to a different story, um, which had a happy ending. So people believe that it's actually the happy ending, but. Okay. I mean, it's like a Christmas movie, so. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sure. Happy ending should be right. Yes. So this one was, I believe, another one that was like recommended to us, right? To look at and to. Um, I think it's one that I had like on a list and then, yeah, people expressed that they wanted to hear about it. Okay. And specifically expressed wanting the correct pronunciation. Yes. So before I get into the little bit that I have about this figure, um, I'm going to talk about the pronunciation just a little bit. So it's Frau and I looked up... It looks like people pronounce it perkta, perchta. I'm sure there are other ways that people pronounce it. Um, but I believe from my years in German class that it's pronounced perchta, like S-H, not a hard C-H. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if like you – did you confirm that? Do you know? I didn't look it up at all. Okay. <laughs> I this is one of those things that I tried to confirm with my ger- my old German teacher, oh, but she okay. she hates me now. So <laughs> logical that's the logical obviously con- what happened. Conclusion is that she hates you. <laughs> um, so Frau Perchta was once known as a goddess in Alpine paganism, and the name Frau Perchta means the bright one. Um, she's also called. Spinstaubenfrau, or the <laughs> spinning lady, and is known as the grandmother of winter. So she sounds very friendly and bright. Yeah. She's depicted both as young and beautiful and white as snow, but also in other stories, elderly and hag like, which like can relate. Um, and her ultimate goal is really to ensure that families are upholding local customs. So overall, like sounds like a pretty friendly figure. Um, mm-hmm. 
But when you read a lot about the stories, people believed that during the 12 days of Christmas, she would go to homes and look for proof that families had misbehaved during the year, either evidence of unruly children, um, evidence of weaving during the holiday, so working on the holiday. Um, And if she found that they had been misbehaving, she would slice their bellies open, (gasps) remove their stomachs, and fill them with straw and pebbles. (laughs) (laughs) So that's something. (laughs) That's um, That's quite the punishment. So reading a little bit more about her, um, I read a Vice article named Meet Christmas Goddess Perchta, a belly-slitting half-woman demon. And folklorist (laughs) John B. Smith writes that Perchta's earliest incarnation dating from the Middle Ages was as the enforcer of communal taboos. This initially meant punishing those who dared weave on days deemed sacred or those who refused to feast with the required enthusiasm. Smith notes that as more peasant women entered the workforce, Perchta's focus turned to tormenting the lazy. So yikes. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like so my whole impression from a couple articles <clears throat> that I had read a while ago was yeah, that she was like just a much more benevolent figure before like Christmas and like Christian ideals took over. Yeah, and that's sort of that's sort of what I gathered, but I couldn't find anything specific about like what the old beliefs or stories about her was yeah. like were. But yeah. that she was like fr- a little bit more friendly and like Yeah. But even like the idea that she was like a goddess of like Yeah. Yeah. And like known as like the bright one or appeared as very beautiful or whatever. Like I think I don't know. Now like with the current stories or like with the more modern stories yeah she sort of looks like she looks a little bit like krampus yeah totally sort of just like a female krampus yeah she's very spooky like this whole idea of like pun like the, the whole idea that it was like sort of around like women joining the workforce or like punishing women for not like completing their daily or daily or yearly allotment of like how much wool they were supposed to spin or some shit. Mm-hmm. Is that her? Or is that the other lady? I think that's her. So <laughs> she would punish people for spinning on sacred days. Okay. So I also heard that like if, if people didn't spin enough before. Okay, a I time. know there's like another spinning lady, and I don't know if that's the lady you're thinking of. Maybe it may it also be her, but I I just didn't read that, but yeah. it could very well also be her. <laughs> Either way, I'm like suspicious because it sort of seems like it turns into like a um like a punishment for sloth or whatever the official name of the deadly sin is in Christianity. Mm. Laziness, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm suspicious because, like, it, yeah, it starts to focus on, like, whether or not women are getting their shit done. And it's like, just just lay off. Just fuck off. <laughs> right. Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt 
or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Yes, so that is Frau Pershta, which we are pretty confident about that pronunciation, but we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I didn't get that right, my five years of German are <laughs> down the hole. <laughs> Plus, like, is, is that what you're doing on Duolingo or no? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. admittedly forgot a couple days. And, and if you forget a couple days, obviously you lose your whole streak. Yeah. And so then you lose all your rewards. So I need to get back to it because it's, yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> now that we've gone, we've gone from Elf on the Shelf to Duolingo. <laughs> Let's <Don't> talk worry. <laughs> about Greelaw. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> all I put in the intro to this, and I started to just like assign this to Paige because <laughs> I'm an asshole. Um, but I don't know what is going on in Iceland with Christmas traditions. Like, I love it. It's amazing, but also like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, are you are you super familiar with it at all? Um, I've yeah, I've I've at least read articles about each of these before. Okay, so yeah, okay, but I love them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we will start with talking about Grilla and the Yule Lads. So the Yule Lads are thirteen. We're going to call them Christmas trolls um, who are led by their mother, Grilla. And originally, the stories about the Yule Lads went that from December 11th to December 24th, one by one, the Yule Lads would leave wherever they were living, which that differs depending on what you're reading. But they would leave to cause mischief and pull sometimes like pretty horrifying pranks. (laughs) And... Over the years, the Yule Lads have gotten much more friendly. They now look quite a bit more like Santa Claus. Some of the old photos of them are like a little bit scary. Yeah. Uh, or they would be to kids. Yeah. And it is said that now they'll still come out, but instead of pulling pranks on people, they'll stop by homes to drop off gifts in children's boots. And if kids are naughty, instead of coal, like we get – Kids in Iceland get a potato. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on you. I love potatoes. <laughs> right. I'm like, that's kind of great. I would rather have a I would definitely rather have a potato than a piece yeah, of coal. <laughs> sustenance for my family. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah. So you lads are kind of friendly. Yeah. Well, at least today. <laughs> today. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, their mother, however, Grilla, is still a giant troll <laughs> who <laughs> is considered, even to this day, one of the most frightening figures in Icelandic folklore. Uh, this, the, yeah, great. Because Christmas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says Christmas <laughs> like, like a giant woman who eats people. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, spoiler alert. That's uh, <laughs> no, fine. So, yeah, the, like Megan said, the stories say that Grilla collects the whispers of children who are living in Iceland. And when winter hits, uh, she goes around and collects the naughty kids, takes them back with her, where she cooks them into a stew to keep her fed until next winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as if all of that isn't fun enough, Grilla mm -hmm. actually lives with a giant cat, the mm -hmm. Yule Cat. Uh, and during <laughs> Christmas time, the Yule Cat comes out to the mountainside and eats children who have not received any new clothes to wear for Christmas. And I read that <laughs> three different times, and I feel like I've got to be missing something. So you are. It's like there's like a caveat where it was like, tradition if kids had like behaved and done like all of their chores or all of like some work that they were supposed to do before Christmas, then they would be gifted clothes by okay. the family. So like it was basically just like a way to, to signify like this kid didn't do the shit that they were supposed to do and they didn't, you know, they didn't deserve clothes. So now they're fucked. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because when I'm reading this, I'm like, so you're telling me that this fucking cat eats children whose family didn't have enough money to buy them clothes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I sort of like, I sort of thought the same thing when I was originally like that story. I was like, that's sort of fucked up. Like, that's horrible. They just can't get clothes because like they don't have enough money. But like, right. yeah, it was, it was more so like, yeah, it's, there's specific things that, that, is related to like why kids would get clothes or not. So it's more just like a way to define what's a naughty kid versus understood a okay. good kid. <laughs> that makes me feel better. I was real pissed off at this Yule cat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I also love that in Iceland, or I guess in Icelandic, that it's the Yolikatoran. <laughs> just a great, <laughs> super fun word to say. Uh, yes. And some of the artwork, like just Google like Yule Cat artwork, because some of it is pretty adorable. And you're like, I just want the giant fluffy cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So before we do some like sort of lighter Christmas traditions, we're going to get the super fucked up part of the episode over with. <laughs> so first, I've been thinking about this because like between the Iceland stuff and Frau Pershta and Krampus and all of, you know, Krampus's variations are like sort of the various companions of St. Nicholas and even like the original, you know, pagan traditions and stuff like that and like why leading up to this was this spooky time of year. I just started thinking like, well, all of this like boogeyman stuff, like ultimately the really old ones, like it's all about basically just like frightening your kids, frightening your kids either to like, A, not go wander out into the woods by themselves 
and like end up getting like eaten by some sort of animal. But B, make sure that your kids are like doing their part around the house to like prepare your family for the most difficult part of the year because like you're trying to wait out and see if your supplies last the winter and stuff. So I get it why kids might like need a little extra motivation when it's like a life or death scenario as to like whether or not their family makes it through the winter. Yeah. But in this like, I don't know. This is up there for like one of the more fucked up explanations I've come up with (laughs) on this podcast for doing it. So here's the thing. You have like all these different myths of entities that would steal or just murder your kids or family. Here's what I wonder is like, A, I think it's supposed to be like boogeyman motivational to like behave and help your family out. But like, do we think it could also be sort of like a way for distraught parents or family members to sort of like disassociate from the fact that they weren't prepared enough and, you know, their kids did not survive the winter? Okay. So, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I think that that is true. But the way you worded it here... (laughs) Oh yeah, my so that was like the disassociation thing was the nicer version. The less nice version was like, what if someone just like murdered their whole family and was like, oh, it was definitely this Yule cat that came and ate them all. I'm sure that happened like one time. <laughs> you know, like probably somewhere along the line, somebody has done that. But like... <laughs> That probably wasn't, like, a regular thing. I don't think that was, like, a regular thing. (laughs) Seems unlikely. Okay. Well, it's more like a what if. Like, do do you think this is a thing that has happened? Yeah, probably at least (laughs) one time. Probably, (laughs) yes. Hey there, campers. My name's Kimmy. And my name's Ryan. We've noticed you stumbled upon our mystical campfire. So that means there's a solid chance you have some questions. Like... Why am I here? What's going on? And why are there cryptid and folklore creatures everywhere? And should I be worried about the Mothman dressed as a camp counselor swooping down to steal my s'mores? Well, you've stumbled upon the Alorian Campgrounds. Alorian is a folklore podcast where every episode we dive into the history and lore of different creatures and cryptids you see wandering around these campgrounds. And during each episode, we discuss the sightings, encounters, poems, history, fun, facts, and pop culture focused on our campfire topic that week. We hope through shared experience, we can learn and make light about all the unknown corners of the universe. So come take a seat around the campfire, make yourself at home, and listen to Alluring Today anywhere podcasts are heard. Or watch videos on YouTube, or even go to our website, Alluring.com. That's A-L-O-R-E-I-N-G.com. There you go. You guys made it. You made it past the most uncomfortable part of this episode. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) It's all uphill from here. (laughs) Surprise, we're going to leave you on a positive note this time. (laughs) (laughs) It never happens, but here we are. (laughs) Okay. So... Moving on to a couple of just spooky or weird Christmas traditions. First, I just wanted to briefly mention Victorian Christmas because everybody likes to make like little memes. But the song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, 
And there's the line that's there will be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. And everyone's like, how are scary ghost stories a Christmas thing? And it's because they definitely were a Christmas thing for and they the definitely still should be. And they definitely sh- still should be. Exactly. But yeah. So Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol is obviously the most famous one, but and like you know, obviously one of the most famous Christmas stories of all time, but it is a Victorian ghost story. (laughs) And you can actually buy volumes of like ghost stories that they would have told. There's like several volume sets of like Victorian ghost stories. So yeah, which is pretty awesome. Somebody someday should buy those for me for Christmas. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nudge, nudge. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but basically what it it comes down to is the Victorians were super into spooky stuff and spiritualism and ghosts and figured what better time of year than to like hunker down and, and tell scary stories around the fire. So, yeah. I love it. (laughs) on to my favorite tradition that i got to read about uh you said this was a listener's suggestion yes this is a listener's suggestion in the discord which guess what you can all go join (laughs) (laughs) and tell us weird shit to talk about This is like my favorite thing ever. I'm very excited about it. The Christmas log or Tio de Nadel is a Catalan tradition and is a log with legs, a cute face, and a little red hat. And it's adorable. (laughs) I think the photos are so cute. Uh, Yeah, because it basically looks like if Frosty the Snowman were a log. Yeah, basically, yeah. (laughs) It really like does. In, in the picture that you included, that is what it looks like. Yeah. It's so cute. Um, so according to the tradition, starting on December 8th, which is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Very dramatic. Yes. <laughs> children are told they must take care of the log by feeding it and keeping it warm. And if they take good care of it, it will defecate presents. Okay, here's the thing. I'm interrupting you. That's fine. This is what Elf on the Shelf should be. Yeah. Elf on the Shelf should be like, you take care of your elf. It's your little buddy. And like, she leaves you little treats every day. Yeah, I agree. That's going to be it. We're rewriting the Elf on the (laughs) the Elf on the Health. Yeah. The Elf on the Shelf folklore as we speak. Okay, go. (laughs) Um, So some families used to place the log into the fireplace and order it to defecate. (laughs) But apparently this is not really popular anymore. So people no longer order the defecation to happen. Um, Also part of the tradition uh, includes families beating on the top of the log with with a hat to the rhythm of a song that encourages defecation. And like, here's the thing. I wish that somebody would play me a song and celebrate when I defecate. We can try that out this weekend. (laughs) You let me know when you have to poop. Now I'll accompany you to the bathroom 
I appreciate I'll it. Pat your, I'll pat your back and sing to you. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Although, to be fair, <laughs> if you've ever wondered <laughs> what potty training a toddler is like, <laughs> it's basically that. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you sit in the bathroom <laughs> and you pat their back. <laughs> You say you can do it. Sing little songs. You encourage them. And eventually that little turd comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So (laughs) only small gifts come from the log. So small toys, candies, dried figs, all those things can come from the log. But... Uh, Larger gifts are still delivered by the three wise men, which makes sense to me because (laughs) pooping out a play kitchen would be pretty painful. (laughs) Okay. So in this scenario, like rather than Santa delivering gifts, it's the three wise men who bring gifts to the house? Yeah. So it's the three wise men who bring the larger gifts and then our log friend I don't think I've ever heard that variation. Like, I didn't realize there was one where it's like the wise men who are delivering gifts versus Santa or St. Nicholas or whatever. Mm. Well, there you go. <laughs> now we know. But, like, real talk, I love this log so much and I really, really <laughs> want to do here's, it. Here's a phrase that I never thought we would say on this podcast Real talk, I love this log so much. <laughs> <laughs> It is pretty cute. Though. He's so like, cute with the, little, with the little blanket over it. Yeah, he's chilly. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it is like it's just the most wholesome thing. It really is. <laughs> it's like the most random thing. <laughs> like, did you get any sense of like why it's the thing? Um, <laughs> like, like the log thing, like Yule log thing, like that's a pagan thing because they would basically just bring in a giant ass log to, you know, try to keep the fire burning 24 hours a day to stay warm and stuff. But huh, why the log? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be related. I guess right. so. I guess so. Um, is it? It was in Spain where this is a thing. It, it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I so like basically they were like, we're just gonna take our Yule log and personify it and take care of it. <laughs> and they, like they actually talk about it, like it's like pooping out gifts. Oh, there's like a whole song. It goes. <laughs> Poop log, log of Christmas. Don't poop salted herring. They are too salty. Poop turons. They are much better. Okay. (laughs) I'm not okay. So it's very cute. It's so cute. (laughs) But I'm going to lose it. Um, Okay. Okay. Well, I'm proud of us. Like we said, we're ending on a high note, which is something we never do. (laughs) So don't say we never gave you anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. 
Do you have anything else to say? No, I'm just, so I was trying, I tried to look up the origins of the log earlier and didn't get very far. And so I was okay. looking back at this really fast and it literally like, they're like, I had hoped to find an origin story, but instead <laughs> they asked why this tradition was bizarre to the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this so weird to you? <laughs> so yeah, but it's no, I, that's it. I just, yeah. I just love that log so much. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I have to say. Other than Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Good Yule, Happy Holidays. I think that covers everything. <laughs> That wraps up episode 55 on Spooky Christmas. Tune in in 2023 for another year of spooky science fun. If you liked this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. You can find us on TikTok at Spooky Science, Twitter and Instagram at Spooky SciPod, Facebook at Spooky Science Sisters, and at our website at SpookySciencesters.com. In our show notes, you can also find a link to our Discord. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookySciencesters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening, stay spooky, and happy holidays. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? Or just a horrible accident. That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.